We're in our series, um, Real Life in a Real World, and uh, we are digging deep into the Psalms. Uh, for many years, I, when I was younger, I didn't really connect with the Psalms, but as I've got, I've got older, I've really connected with the Psalms because you encounter life. Uh, a number of years ago, I received a call from a guy I knew well. Um, this man was really feeling totally depressed and discouraged. And, and, and when I spoke to him, he shared his, his really sad life story. Um, his wife had left him and, and gone off with some other guy. Uh, she'd taken their young children with them. And this man was left completely alone on his own. And, and to make matters worse, uh, his uh, business was failing. And we, we spoke about his struggles. And his whole life was really focused on everything that he had lost at this point in his life. There didn't seem any good reason to carry on in life. And, and, and certainly it's, it's, it's normal to, to grieve after we lose things in our life. Many of us in this past uh, two years or so with COVID have lost colleagues and friends. Uh, many folk have experienced financial reversals and, and changes in their circumstances, whether at home uh, or maybe at work or with friends we, we associate with. And, and even students have lost uh, part of their lives, if I can put it like that. Uh, many of them have lost some of their rites of passage. They haven't been able to spend time with their, their friends and other important milestones. Um, and, and, and this, in a very real sense, brings a, a sense of, of loss and grief. Now, grief is a, a painful process of adjusting to a, a new set of circumstances. Um, and as acceptance takes place, grief subsides, and usually it again gives uh, a way to, to hope and to joy again. And, and sometimes this doesn't happen in people's lives. Instead of recovering from their, their personal grief, it, 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 it leads to a, a sense of hopelessness and uh, instead of acceptance. And we call that uh, despondency, when there's really a, a deep sense of hopelessness. And as we read the psalm, Psalm 13, we immediately detect, we, we feel David's despondency. Like the, the guy I mentioned earlier on, we, we find David feeling down and, and forgotten. And it's like those lyrics we used to sing when I was a child. Nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. I'll go and eat some worms. Fat ones, thin ones, juicy ones. I'll go and eat some worms. I don't know if you feel like that. Hopefully not. But despair is not a, a, too strong a description. And how often we, we identify with David's emotional temperature uh, that we find in the psalm. We don't know for sure what the circumstances were in David's life. And, and perhaps that's a good thing because, uh, because it's not stated, uh, we can identify with what he's feeling. Um, and we can identify with this how long psalm that David writes uh, in Psalm 13. Now, some have suggested that uh, the psalm was written in the painful years when uh, that crazy and jealous King Saul was pursuing David. There were times that David, in fact, uh, uh, confessed, there is one step between me and death. And certainly David's uh, feelings resonate with our own painful, uh, painful uh, feelings. Um, and as you read the, the, the words of this really tried man um, of God, what has triggered your feelings of despondency? Why are you grieving? Why are you feeling miserable? Today we're going to look at 
the issue of being face to face with despondency and we'll read from Psalm 13 and verse 1. Psalm 13 and verse 1. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord, my God. Lift up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. So far we're reading God's word. Let's bow in prayer as we ask the Lord uh, to minister to us. Father, we just thank you that as we come this morning, Lord, you understand our feelings, whether we're feeling on, on top of the world, or, or Father, whether we're feeling down and sad and discouraged, despondent, depressed. Father, we thank you that we can so identify with David's feelings. Lord, of feeling miserable and in a pit. And Lord, this morning as we unpack the psalm, Father, won't you minister to us? And Lord, we pray especially for those who are, are, are not feeling great this morning. Father, we thank you that your word comes to us and it lifts up our souls. Father, we ask that you'd open our minds and hearts to, to receive from you. And Lord, and now allow your, the, the ministry of the Spirit to, to speak into our hearts. Father, we thank you that your word reminds us that we can be overcomers. And Lord, we just thank you that we can commit ourselves afresh to you and Lord, open ourselves up to the word of your truth. Father, we also thank you for the many things you're doing in our midst. We, we thank you for our Sunday school and for Jess and her team. And, and Lord, we pray that you'd stir in, in, in folks' hearts as they commit themselves to uh, passing on a, a godly heritage to the next generation. Father, we thank you to our missions team. We, we thank you for the work where many folk responded and were saved when they reached out at, at Spitzpunt. Father, we thank you for the work that is being done. And Lord, we pray for Henny and his team as they go next Saturday at 8 o'clock and they go and, and, and minister in terms of helping a church who uh, doesn't have much. And Lord, we just pray too for our uh, Christmas project, again, reaching out to those less, less privileged. Father, I pray that you would open our hearts uh, to be generous. And Lord, we thank you too for our uh, uh, caretaker, Isaac. Lord, for his over 40 years of service to this church. And Lord, we want to pray for him, even as he's, he's not as strong as he used to be, as his health isn't so good. Father, we thank you that we as a church can bless him, uh, Lord, as he, as he takes leave of us in December. And Father, thank you. We can pray for all these things. And Lord, we know that you work through your church and you work in your church. And Lord, I pray that you'd make this church a resource church, that we would bless others uh, who are serving you. We pray this all in your precious name. And Lord, now we ask that you just speak to our hearts. Lord, help us lift up our hearts. And Lord, help us see you in all that we do. We pray this all in your precious name. Amen. Amen. 
David's struggle with despondency became so intense that perhaps it motivated him to, to write Psalm uh, 13. We, as I said, we don't, we don't know all the circumstances, but what, what we do know is some of David's greatest struggles took place before he became king. God was, in, in, in many respects, preparing and, and shaping David to become the, the greatest king that is, Israel ever had. Now, David had slain Goliath. Uh, we all know the story from our Sunday school years. Uh, he'd become the, the greatest hero in Israel. People sang, Saul has killed thousands, but David has killed tens of thousands. And how Saul began to hate David, he was jealous. Uh, and he became focused on killing David. Hunted and haunted by this madman Saul, David must have entertained doubts at times. Here was a man who'd been chosen by God to be king of Israel, and here he's running for his life. A fugitive in the, in the hills of Judea, dirty, despondent, and, and wondering, would this chase ever end? Now, David addresses God in this prayer of six verses. And as we begin the psalm, we, we see he's in a, in a pit of despondency. And, and yet by the end of the psalm, in, in verse 6, it concludes on the, the mountain peaks of ecstasy. First, in verses 1 and 2, we, we find David flat on his face, focused on his, minis, uh, his misery. Second, in verse 3 and 4, we, we find David uh, on his knees. He's, he's taking his, his burden to the Lord. Then lastly, in verses 5 and 6, we, we find David on his feet. He's rejoicing, he's, he's singing, he's worshipping and praising God. The question this morning is, where do you find yourself? Are you flat in your face? Are you, are you focused on your misery and despondency? Are you feeling totally hopeless and, and despondent? Are you perhaps on your knees? taking your, your burden to the Lord and recognizing your, your need of God in your life? Or are you perhaps on your feet, you're praising and, and worshiping God? Now, Psalm 13 begins where most despondent people uh, find themselves flat in the ground. They're crushed under this weight of sorrow and, and, and feeling down. So firstly, we, we find David flat on his face in, in verses 1 and 2. How long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long will my enemy be exalted uh, over me? Feeling discouraged by the trials of life, David resorts to four very human ways of Dealing with despondency. David, firstly, he, he felt that God had abandoned him. God, David felt, had um, forgotten him forever. Remember the last time you perhaps uh, felt like this, where God was Dios absconditus. God had absconded. God has uh, uh, disappeared and left you alone. God is nowhere to be found. And David asked the question, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? And since David had no sight in, in his life or no hope in sight, 
David became crushed under this load. Had God abandoned him? David felt abandoned by God, not only that, but David felt that God didn't care. How often we, we feel like that? Had God lost interest in his case? And, and he asked the question, how long will you hide your face from me? Doesn't God say that he'll take care of me? Doesn't God say that he'll, he'll lift up my burdens? Doesn't God say that he'll, he'll take uh, my load upon him? At this point, David felt that God didn't care. And then we find David, he, he felt, that he, felt he, he needed to make a plan. How long must I take counsel in my soul? And the, the Hebrew word means to, to make a plan. If you've got the NRV, you'll see the words that says, David wrestled with his thoughts. David had started to make his own plans. After all, David, God had given David a, a brain and he needed to figure things out. And friends, isn't it true that God helps those, what is it, who help themselves? Is this true? True faith is living without scheming, living without trying to plot our own schedule. There were storm clouds in the sky hiding the sun, but you know what? The, the sun was still shining. How deceptive our, our, our feelings can be at this point when we go through these experiences. Let's pause for a moment and, and, and listen to the wisdom of Solomon, the, the wisest man on earth. We know that verse so well, Proverbs 3 and verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Psalm 16 and verse 3. Commit your work, gentlemen and ladies. Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. Proverbs 16, 7. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Proverbs 16, verse 33. The lot is cast into the lap, but it is every decision, but it's every decision is from the Lord. What happens when we try to work out things in the flesh? Look what happened when, when David tried to work things out in his own strength. We, we see in the, in the second part of verse 2, it says, having sorrow in my heart all the day. Sorrow and strain and, and frustrations and worry became his uh, constant companion. When will we learn to, to leave our burdens of the Lord and let him work out the details? David felt that God had abandoned him. God, uh, sorry, David felt that God didn't care. He felt he, he needed to make his own plans. And, and, and then we see that David felt resentment for his trial. How many of us feel like that? We're going through a bad time and we begin to resent it. It's absolutely humiliating to be stepped on, and, and this is what is happening to David. Think for a moment about some of the experiences you, you've been through. David's pride is wounded, and, and he says, How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? When we look at this, we just see how human David is. When we feel we need to defend ourselves, 
Um, and David was having to learn that the truth will defend itself. Which one of these feelings resonate with you? God has uh, abandoned me. He's forgotten about me forever. God doesn't care about me. I'm going to have to make a plan for myself. I, I resent this trial. How do you respond to all that? David, David certainly felt overwhelmed and hopeless. Four times in, in those two verses, verse 1 and 2, he asked the question, how long? The ancient prophet Habakkuk um, asked the same question, how long, O oh God, do you have to carry on like this? And so we see in the first two verses that David turns against everyone and everything, including God, and he, he tries to work out things in his own strength. But what wonderful lessons uh, he's about to learn. And God certainly teaches us lessons for our, our, pri our proud hearts. In the midst of his grief and uh, 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 sorrow, David makes an absolutely critical choice. Rather than to wallow in his sorrow, he changes his posture. This brings me to the second part of the psalm. First, we've seen that David is down flat on his face. But second, as we look at the psalm, we, we find David on his knees in verse 3 and 4. Consider and answer me, O Lord, my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest the enemy say, I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice, because I am shaken. Now, Something had happened between verse 2 and verse 3. Perhaps David had listened to his own complaints and he, he realized he was wallowing in self-pity. Maybe God sent him somebody to, to give him perspective in his life. We, we don't know. But here we see that his despondency begins to, to lift. And we find him at last on his knees in the place of victory. Jamili at the famous martyred missionary once said, The saint who advances on his knees never retreats. And so as we look at David, we see he prays four prayers in verses 3 and 4. First, David prays that, that God will consider him, verse 3. And it's very significant as we look at these four prayer requests that they, they're sort of opposite to what happens in verse 1 and 2. Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Now remember that David had felt abandoned, and he moves from there to, to looking to the Lord, um, and he asked the Lord to consider his case, his, his situation. And here we see that now God is David's God. O Lord my God. He prays that God will consider his case, and, and then he prays that the Lord would encourage, uh, would send encouragement and work things out. Still in verse 3, David had, has moved from working out his own plans to, to seeking God's plans. Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Then the third prayer request. David prayed that God would enlighten his eyes. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Now that word's an interesting word in the Hebrew. It, it means cause my eyes to shine. 
And David prays for spiritual enlightenment, enlightenment and physical vitality, that, that God would lift him out of this pit of despair. It's very interesting that the same word is used in the, that, that blessing in Numbers chapter 6 and verse 24 and, and 25. It has the same words. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord, here's the word, make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Now, David's countenance, his, his face had, had lost its shine. His face, his, his eyes had become hard and dull. His face was uh, fallen. And here we find this man, David, he's longing for, for God's brightness to, to shine from his face and to, to flash from his eyes. David prayed that God would change the look on his face, if I can put it like that. And then we see lastly that David releases his, his enemy to God and lets him take care of the results. Verse 4, lest my enemies say I've prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I'm shaken. Now, God, sorry, David wants God's name to be honored. That, that word shaken means to waver. God had called David to be king. And if he wavered, the, the people would lose faith in God and, and his promises. Have you in your situation asked God to change you? Not just change your, your circumstances. David prayed that prayer, not for changed circumstances, but that he himself would become a, a changed person. Now we've found David fat in his face. We've found David on his knees. And, and finally, we, as we look at the psalm in the last two verses, we, we find David on his feet. Here again, we see David's posture is changed. He's now on his feet. And in, in verse 5, we have a little, a little word that's really important. It starts with the word, but. And that indicates a, a contrast, a change. David had moved from, from fear to, to faith. David had moved from complaining uh, and, and questioning God to, to claiming his promises. Look at verse 5 and 6. But I have trusted your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Now David's feelings had been on a roller coaster, up and down. But guess what? God was still on the throne. God's character hadn't changed between verse 1 and, and verse 6. God's mercy and his steadfast love was all that David needed. It would never, ever fail. In verse 25, uh, Psalm 25 and verse 6, David says the following. Remember, Lord, your compassion and faithful love, for they have existed. I found this interest, interesting. For they have existed from antiquity. David recognized that God's love, his mercy, his goodness, his, his compassion, his faithfulness had always been there, even though he didn't feel like it. Warren Viersby said an interesting thing. God's people do not have to live on explanations. 
They live on promises. And those promises are unchanging as the character of God. You see, relying on God will lead to rejoicing. Amen? Amen. Derek's listening. Now, notice David's exclamation of, exclamation of praise. Because he has doubts, what's the word? Bountifully with me. Now, that word bountiful, it focuses on the, on the goodness of God and his, his generosity in, in dealing with his people in grace. The NIV, it translates it, the Lord has been good to me. The Christian Standard Version, it says, he has treated me generously. That's how, how God treats his people. He treats them well. He treats them generously. And, and, and this is uh, significant had David's circumstances changed? Yes or no? Saul still pursued and haunted David. The barren uh, slopes of Judea were still barren. His hunger of presence uh, before verse 1 was still gnawing at his stomach uh, at the point of verse 6. David's outward circumstances had not changed and yet his attitude, his, his feelings had changed. Why was that? Because David had changed himself. So what does that mean for us? What is the, the take home of this psalm? Well, well first we, we, we need to realize that, that God uses trials. He, he uses those dark periods in our lives. He, he uses those distressing moments to change us. And not necessarily to change our circumstances. God deals bountifully with us to, to touch places that, that other people can't even see. David said the following in Psalm 119 and verses 71 and 75. It is, listen to this, it is good for me to be afflicted that I might learn your statutes I know, Lord, that your judgments are righteous and that in your faithfulness you have afflicted me. Listen to those words. In your faithfulness you have afflicted me. And this is exactly what the Apostle Paul came to learn. Remember 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9. But it said to me, my grace is what? My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. So that Christ's power may what? May rest on me. Praying this prayer requires absolutely incredible trust in, in God and his character. I want to close with this. I have a friend who, at the moment, he's got stage 4 cancer. He's terminally ill. And I spoke to him a little while ago, and he said these words, Paul, I'm ready to meet my God. Where are you this morning? I want to challenge you to pray this prayer with David and, and find that peace and overcome that despondency. Let us pray. Father, we... Thank you for this.
magnificent, this very human psalm. Father, where we find David in despair. But Father, we know that as we hand over our situation to you, Lord, as we hand over our despondency to you, you, you change us. Father, sometimes you change our circumstances and, and sometimes you don't. But Father, we thank you that you're a God who's sovereign. Lord, even though the cloud may hide our view of you, Lord, we know that you are there. Father, we know that your character never changes. Father, we know that your, your promises never change. And Father, we know that your promises are true and that we can cling to them. Lord, I pray this morning for those who are maybe feeling like David did. In a hole, despond, discouraged, depressed. And oh God, I pray that we would look upward to see you. And Lord, to be reminded that you are on the throne. Lord, I pray, I pray this morning that uh, our prayer is this, that you would change us. Lord, change our perspective. Lord, change our feelings. Father, we thank you. We can pray this prayer with David. We pray this all in your precious name. Amen.